0: Hello there, Greg Haynes with you and welcome to episode number 81 of the Full Throttle podcast from Eurosport. It's all about bike racing and would you believe it, it's the 1st of June. Feels like hardly anything's happened this year but it is indeed Monday, the 1st of June and this is Full Throttle. Now I'd like to start with a few thank yous. For the pictures you sent in after our previous episode last week I was saying send us some pictures if you can of where you listen to the podcast from but it seems like dog walking and podcast listening are two popular things to combine quite a few of you seem to be walking your dogs while listening to the podcast but uh, Simon Petty was one of those who uh, did that sent us a good picture so thanks for that Simon sending that one into Greg Haynes TV and Eurosport underscore UK although I think actually my favourite was the very first one we had from Cliff Price hi Cliff sent us a picture of himself listening to the podcast on his phone while he is, in his words, stuck, in inverted commas, in the Ban Na Resort in Nakon Nayok in Thailand. And Cliff tweeted, What rotten luck, being stuck here on holiday for months on end. Dot, dot, dot. Not. Well, thanks very much to Simon and for Cliff for sending in those pictures of where you listen to the podcast from. As you can hear, the WhatsApp messages are still going on the computer in the background. That's actually Pete Burton, who's the man who, uh, by the time you've listened to this, will have edited the podcast in London and published it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Eurosport website don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already but joining us this evening as it is as I record this on Sunday night is Michael Hill Michael is the world superbike paddock show host but he's also one of the commentators for Moto America and would you believe it we've actually had some live bike racing on Eurosport and the Eurosport player over the weekend it was round one of Moto America 2020 from Road America in Wisconsin it's about an hour's drive from the city of Milwaukee in a northerly direction. And crucial stuff because everybody else in the world of motorcycle racing, motorsports, and probably sport in general will have been watching Moto America to see just how things worked out with the social distancing measures the fact they were running with no crowd and no spectators all very much behind closed doors michael hill was in london he was broadcasting from there as of course he was unable to get to the states because of the very very strict travel restrictions still in place so he's going to bring us all the latest on just how things worked and who to look out for there's also a bit of chat about world Superbikes towards the end of the show so it's michael brian hill on this week's full throttle Well, Michael, it's just coming up to half past 11 for me in Barcelona on Sunday night, half past 10 for you, of course, in London. First of all, how's the weekend been? How are you generally? And what's it been like contributing to a live broadcast on a completely different time zone?
1: Yeah, hi, Greg. Uh, Hi to everyone that's listening. Uh, I'm still a little bit I don't know. I'm a bit, it's a bit surreal, to be honest, because I feel like I've, I've lived every single second yeah. of the weekend from the very first free practice session. Uh, in fact, even on the Thursday when there was videos and interviews going on, I, mm. I feel like I've been there virtually. It's, it's such a bizarre, uh, bizarre feeling. But no, racing finished about 45 minutes ago. Um, cracking weekend, a really, really great weekend. Um, but it has been different. It, it's been really weird. I've had my, uh, my living room in London set up uh, very differently. I've had the laptop on with Moto America Live Plus, which is the online broadcast, which I'm normally hosting uh, for the series, which normally streams uh, six to eight hours a day, uh, all the classes, all the sessions. I've had that running on the laptop. I've had live timing on my normal television, uh, which I've then been alternating with the Eurosport broadcast so that I can sort of comment and and give feedback on terms of how that came across. Uh, I've had a coffee table full of notes and and, and sort of uh, entry lists and and statistics. (laughs) Uh super folders or not quite to the Gregory Haynes standard, scattered all over the floor. Um, and I'm now just sat here in my Schwarzen t-shirt, just thinking, wow, what a weekend. And 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 you know, can I just say right from the outset, I'm going it's probably gonna sound a little bit biased because I'm involved with the championship, but just what a bloody good job everybody involved with Moto America has done this weekend, with the eyes of the world, not just in motorsport and motorcycling, but pretty much every sport around the world will have been looking. Uh, what was going on at uh, Road America this week. And I'm sure you'll agree, Greg, I know you've been watching it on, on Eurosport and Bits and Bobs. They pulled it off, you know, yeah. loads of protocols, but what a bloody good job.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. And I don't think you are being biased, actually, to be fair with you. I think you're absolutely right because, you know, a fair amount of courage and a, hours and hours and hours of preparation has gone into this, haven't they? Let's be honest, Michael, so many things could have gone wrong, couldn't they, with this? Whether, you know, somebody was seen on screen not taking the, the social distancing measures or whether somebody failed the medical exams or whatever. I mean, and it hasn't gone wrong, has it? It really has gone very smoothly and you have to feel that Dorna, MSV. And as you've said yourself, many other sporting organizations around the world will have been watching Motor America this weekend to see what they did and how they did it.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, credit to Wayne Rainey and to Chuck and all the guys, um, Larry and John Norton uh, and all the guys uh, from, from the, uh, from the technical crew. I was involved in a, in a conference call a couple of weeks ago where we actually chatted, you know, me, all the commentators, all the broadcasters, all the cameramen. everybody was involved, there was loads of us on, a, on a, an online call, and the various protocols and procedures that they put in place from our side uh, to make sure that, you know, there wasn't, you know, there was there was limited interaction with the riders. You, you will have seen the way that they did the interviews. So, mm. you know, of course, there's been various comments with people going, oh, well, you don't have as many rider interviews. Of course not. There was no fans, there was no media, you know, everybody had to respect the social distancing rules. Um, so there would be, you know, for example, no grid walks and the podium did look very, very different. But, you know, I think that they put together a great procedure. Uh, I was friendly with quite a lot of the riders and, and even from their side uh, in terms of the way they laid the paddock out. I mean, Road America uh, is, is a four-mile circuit. It, it's a fantastic venue. I went there uh, last year. Um, the paddock is massive. There is so, so much space that they've got there. You know, there's a lot of space, Uh, for them to lay things out and you will have probably seen the the eagle-eyed viewers this weekend will have seen that in in the past there would have been big hospitality units, nothing like that was there. All the big campers, nothing like that was there. Um, Very limited in terms of the number of people that could stay in the paddock. There were temperature checks every single time you entered and exited the circuit. Um, Same as the riders, uh, it it was shown on TV a couple of times, you know, Cameron Burbier takes off the helmet, he walks through a particular part of the paddock and it was all segregated to try and keep the different categories. Separated. So if you were in Superbike, they didn't want you just going up and seeing your buddy that was in the Superstock class, for example. Mm, so it was, yeah. it, was a, it was a proper procedure and a layout that was put in place. And, you know, a lot of people having to work on it and various temperature checks that happened. Um, I was speaking to Trevor Standish, one of the, the kids that uh, moved up from from the Liqui Molly Junior Cup into the Twins Cup. Uh, and there was a process in place even for technical control. So only one person. Uh, and one nominated person for the weekend could take the bike to technical control, for example. Same with tyre stickers, uh, all those kind of things. Things that we would take for granted on a normal weekend, whether you're in, you know, as you said, BSB, World Superbike, Italian Championship, all these things you don't think about, but every single thing down to the letter um, w- was addressed. Um, and as I said, I think they did a really, really good job. And on top of that, the racing was fantastic it really really was i mean you mentioned social distancing and i think it's clear for everybody that watched cameron Bobier, he clearly adheres to social distancing doesn't he like, <laughs> I think to the distance it was never seen so uh but no j- joking aside it was it was a great weekend and i think uh, real real credit to everybody that was involved and i think it just proves that you know with a good bunch of people and, and you just mentioned that, you know, a lot of things could have gone, could have gone wrong i think also a massive credit and a massive shout out has to go to every single team every single rider for respecting the rules because it's completely away from what they know, right? Mm,
0: yeah, absolutely. Oh I no, mean, it must have been a really weird atmosphere over there in the paddock as well. As you just say, you know, as you just said, a lot of the riders are friends or or teammates in some cases with riders in other categories, and you'd want to go and see them, wouldn't you, to see how they got on in their race, to give them advice. They've not been able to do any of that this weekend. It must be quite weird.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I've spoken to quite a lot of them, I did a few Instagram lives with a few few of the riders, and uh, even riders within the same teams had to respect um, the the six feet rule. Um, so, you know, for example, Cooper McDonald and uh, Dominic Doyle—they ride in, in twins and in Junior Cup respectively, but they're in the same team. So, I did an Instagram live with the pair of them. Dominic took a double win in, in the Junior Cup, and and, and uh, Cooper McDonald was at top six. Uh, in race one, I think he finished seventh in, in race two. But even doing that, they were on opposite sides of the camper, you know. So it was yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was quite It was quite weird. But you know, you've got to say, I mean, it would be the same for for us. I mean, obviously, I wasn't track side, but on a normal weekend when you're uh, obviously in World Superbike in the paddock with uh, with Eurosport, and I'm doing the thing on the stage in the paddock show, there's plenty of times over the weekend where our paths will cross. And hey, 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 Greg, hi Mike, how you doing? And you will chew the fat in the paddock none of that was going on so it must have been really really bizarre for everybody involved um
0: i try and social distance from you under the best of circumstances to be quite honest
1: well it's, it, well, it's nice of you to be honest about that publicly <laughs> but uh, but no i mean joking aside i mean it's it, it was weird wasn't it i mean it, it was a yeah, weird yeah. situation and also when the camera was panning around um and you could see empty grandstands you know yeah. and, You know okay you may be not going to get a hundred thousand fans turning up at road america but you still would get a fair few thousand people turning up it would be busy the grass banks would be full of people there were last year with people having picnics and the big banners would be up representing whichever team you're supporting you know there's uh, lots of other activities Not just at Road America, but um, at all of the Moto America championships, you know, whether it's Wall of Death and the merchandise area and the the hot pit where fans can go and do all of the the pit lane walks and things. And there's a go-kart track. So there's various activities scattered all over the circuit. And let's not forget, it's probably the biggest track that Moto America goes to. It's a four-mile circuit. Um, So there's plenty of space there. And it did look a little bit sparse. But the good news is that they're going back there in a month's time for round two and fans will be allowed. The state of Wisconsin uh, Wisconsin has said fans are allowed for round two. So um, that is great news.
0: Yeah, I think what's becoming extremely apparent now, of course, for motorcycle racing and motorsport and really, as you've said, sport worldwide generally is travel restrictions, isn't it? Because Motor America has now proven that if you got pretty much all your people involved, they weren't all there, but pretty much everyone involved in that championship is based in the States. You have to feel the British Superbike Championship will have an advantage over World Championships later in the year, as most of the people are already in one country. And of course, all of the races are in the same country. But Michael, for anyone who's listening who perhaps doesn't know Motor America quite so well, you've been bringing me up to speed with the different categories. There's five, of course, Superbike, Supersport, Stock 1000, the Twins, and the Licky Molly Junior Cup. Uh, yeah. All very competitive, all very different. First of all, what are the main differences between, let's say, World Superbike and moto america okay so i mean i'm
1: not that technical but you know i hopefully know well hopefully know as much as you uh about the various technical <laughs> rules. But the biggest thing from anybody looking in is going to be the tires okay so if we're talking um the tires you'll see different stickers they have orange stickers and white stickers on the bike but the biggest biggest difference is that the moto america championship uses dunlop um throughout their categories of course in world superbike it's pirelli and bsb Uh, It's Pirelli. Uh, I think there's a few other manufacturers involved in different classes, but predominantly in Superbike, it's Pirelli as a controlled tyre. It's not a controlled tyre in Moto America. It's Dunlop. Um, The biggest difference, obviously, from a tyre perspective, uh, and funnily enough, I was talking to Garrett Gurloff a lot in Australia about this, um, the Dunlop tyre maybe doesn't have as much initial grip, um, but the grip that you get on lap one uh, and lap two is not going to be too dissimilar at the end of a race. So you're not going to get the massive degradation, the massive drop-off of Mm tyre. Right. Whereas the Pirelli, uh, as, as Garrett Burloff, uh, you know, uh, said after his first race in in Phillip Island, shot off like a scalded cat in, uh, from the back row of the grid, uh, running in seventh place, thinking, "Wow, this is great! I've got so much grip." Five six laps to go, had nothing less, not nothing left, and his times dropped off. So that's the biggest difference, and we saw that in the Superbike class this weekend. Bobier starting out breaking the lap record, uh, and then he was comfortably uh, able to run in the two minute elevens. Uh, I think the lap record went in race two today. Actually, a two minute eleven zero, which was the fastest ever two wheel lap at Road America. Uh, but he was comfortably able to do two eleven six, two eleven seven for the the full race. Uh, where if that was a Pirelli tire, if we base that on what we've seen in World Superbike, those times would have dropped maybe a second, maybe a second and a half. But you would have you would have noticed the drop. In terms of the other um, major major factors. Um, There is no factory team as such. Uh, The the factory team from last year in Yamaha's case and for for Yoshimura Suzuki, they're no longer there. Uh, They've now combined efforts. So the the major teams that you see uh, are the M4 uh, X-Star Hammer team, which is run by Chris Ulrich, who's a former uh, racer himself, Uh, a very, very renowned journalist as well, RoadRacingWorld.com. They're also massively involved with all of the safety at the circuits. uh, There's a a fund that goes on to to raise money for all the air fences and things, Uh, but they are now the official Suzuki um, partner uh, in Superbike, Supersport, uh, and in the Twins Cup as well. Uh, They're running, uh, I think, well, last year, they were running the official team. I think they've partnered or they've certainly given bikes to the American racing team for, for Rocco Landers. But in terms of Superbike and Supersport, they're the main team. And then the Attack. Uh, team, um, which was previously running JD Beach and, and historically before that, um, Josh Heron, uh, they have now combined efforts uh, with uh, with Monster uh, to make up a two-rider team with obviously Cameron Bobier uh, defending champion, and, and Jake Gagne, of course, who's back in the championship now with a full a full factory ride. And, and Jake did a great job this weekend with, with two podiums. Every other team there you know, gets a little bit of help here and there. Um, obviously, Carl Wyman's um, Ducati team Uh, not necessarily receiving financial support, but, you know, they're they're getting bits directly from the factory. Uh, There's a couple of Kawasaki's on the grid, um, where obviously in the World Superbike, you get factory teams. Honda, for example, coming back in, that's a fully fledged factory team with full support from from Japan. Uh, You don't, we're not getting that as much now in Moto America. That's the biggest change. But in terms of electronics, the ECUs, very much the same as World Superbike.
0: And, of course, you've got people doing a bit of both as well, haven't you? People like PJ Jacobson. He's racing in the Superbike class and in Stock 1000, and he's had a pretty good weekend. Of course, we know PJ well, don't we, from his World Supersport days a few years ago.
1: Yeah, and obviously, PJ, a lot of people forget um, uh, that, that he is a very, very accomplished big bike rider. He raced yeah. a title in the BSB Championship. Yeah. He's a runner-up uh, in the World Supersport Championship with a couple of victories uh, you know, a few years back. He came back to America last year, raced... Uh, for the Celtic team, the HSBK team, which is the team, I don't know if you were following Moto America, but a few years back, Claudio Corti rode for that team when they ran an Aprilia. Um, So the team's been around a very long time. It's a very, very uh, good team. Uh, They're obviously running this uh, Ducati Panigale V4, uh, which is allowed in the stock class. Now, it's not homologated, I don't believe, in BSB, um, but it is homologated for the Superstock class in America. And um, it, the thing is a missile. I mean, he's doing nearly 180 mile an hour on a stock bike. Um, he won won the race. Um, I wouldn't say it was a comfortable win because there was a great uh, fight uh, in, in that super stock race, but he did set the new lap record. Um, but comparing lap times, bearing in mind that um, there's a, an initiative this year called the Superbike Cup. And what that means is that um, if you're riding in super stock and you elect that you also will race in the Superbike class, um, you can race in the superbike class for free. You obviously, you pay your entry for superstock, but you race the uh, the superstock class and you pay your money as you normally would. Um, but then you can actually upgrade your entry and race the superbike uh, championship as well. You're prevented from riding uh, the, the two free practice sessions or qualifying one and qualifying two, as they're known, on the Friday to limit additional track time and unfair track advantage. So a lot of people were saying yesterday, "Well, there's only 13 or 14 bikes on the track. Where's PJ? You know, where's Cameron Peterson? Where, where are these guys?" Uh, and that is purely a rule put in place for, for fairness, which I think is a really good rule. Um, That's interesting. You know, you know, if you go into these tracks that, you know, you certainly get an extra hour's worth of track time, uh, it can certainly um, be, be a factor. Um, and then obviously you, you score points, um, based on the overall race as well uh, and obviously the, the leading rider at the end of the year will be classed as the, um, the Superbike Cup champion and you get you know, there's various prize purses and, and money and points and all that involved as well and I think it's, it's worked really, really well and, and, and you know I've got to say a massive shout out for PJ Jacobson for me, one of the most underestimated talents that is, you know, we've sadly lost in the World Championship um, great rider on a super sport bike but a very, very accomplished rider. He finished fifth today, just two seconds from the podium. Now, okay, no, there was a couple of crashes, but nevertheless, it would have been, even with everybody staying on in that second race, it would have been a very, very comfortable top six in both races. And PJ's, I think, lying fifth or maybe joint sixth in the championship after round one on a superstock stock bike, um, wow, which is yeah. pretty remarkable, isn't it? I mean, okay, you know, and that's on a track as well, Greg, that's four miles long. So when we get to some of these smaller tracks, you know, when we go to, um, to Laguna Laguna Seca in October, now that's a, a date that's been moved because the California uh, government wouldn't sell, California state government wouldn't allow uh, a non-spectator event. So they've moved the date uh, quite recently. But imagine when we go to a, a track like that, where you don't need the outright speed, PJ, Cameron Peterson, Ashton Yates, uh, Travis Wyman, uh, some of these guys that are doubling up, they could actually really spring an upset and maybe get an outright podium.
0: Now, who should we look out for most of this year, Michael? Because Cameron Bobier, who it amazes me when I was checking through his profile earlier that he's still only 27. The rider from California who many of you may remember actually did a world superbike ride. He did two races, if you remember, at Donington in 2016 when Sylvain Gintzele was injured. But of the five Moto America seasons we've had since it became Moto America in 2015, he's won the championship four times already, hasn't he? And then a dominant weekend this weekend, at Road America. He's becoming the shaky burn of Motor America, isn't he?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, Cameron is a talent for sure. I've got to admit, I didn't think after free practice one that the gap would be so big. He had more mm. than a 2.3 second advantage after one of the sessions on Friday. And I, I was making a joke with, with Robbie Floyd, who I co host uh, the Live Plus broadcast with. And I said, God, if he goes like this, he'll be back in Chicago um, <laughs> yeah. before the second place yeah. guy crosses the line. I mean, it was insane. But, you know, We've got to bear in mind that um, the testing that took place pre-season happened at the Barber Motorsports uh, Park. Uh, it was pouring with rain. Then obviously the COVID uh, pandemic hit and has you know, massively restricted uh, testing. I mean, Jason Aguilar, for example, in the 600 class hasn't ridden a bike apart from one little test since September at the end of last season. So a lot of these guys in a right. lot of these classes had no testing um, and that is the same for, for the likes of PJ and these guys coming out. You know, obviously, Carl Wyman's done a little bit of work, a little bit of testing at a circuit called the Indy Motorsports Park, uh, which I think was sponsoring him for this event. Um, and he's been quite fortunate to get some track time. But a lot of these guys haven't had the, t- the testing time that they wanted. So I think, you know, Cameron came out of the blocks really quick. He's been on the R1 Yamaha for, well, I think since 2014, I think I'm right in saying, um, when he first came into the, uh, the superbike class. So he knows the bike inside out. Yes, it's a different team. Yes, it's an amalgamation of different teams, and you know, maybe they don't have all the parts that they need yet, but he's got a base setting to work from. So it didn't surprise me that he was quick. Um, others to watch for. Gagne, for sure, is going to be one to watch, and he proved that double podium. The Suzuki's historically have been quick. It was a weekend to forget for Tony Elias. Uh, Chain came off in the first race, looked all at sea, um, and then slid out of contention in uh, in today's second race. Bobby Fong, the reigning champion in Supersport. He's also no stranger to, um, to to the bigger bikes. He's actually scored a, a podium in the Superbike class on a Superstock bike back in 2015, 2016, I think it was, on a Kawasaki. So he can ride the bigger bike. Um, and as I said, the M4 X-Star team you know, and the Yamaha Attack team, they are the two benchmark teams. So those four riders, 100%, you would be looking at. Kyle Wyman, I've mentioned, on the full uh, sort of superbike spec Ducati. And um, he had a great, uh, great weekend, uh, top six yesterday, just missed out on the podium by about seven 1,000th of a second today in a fight with Josh Heron. So Josh Heron, big, big fan favorite, a bit of a personality. Um, he's, uh, managed to ink a deal with the, uh, the Sheeby, or Shiba BMW team. Um, it was their local race, Now, again, this is not the same spec bike that Tom Sykes and Eugene Laverty are riding. Obviously, I haven't been trackside, so I've not been able to talk to the team to fully understand what is under the the, the fairings. But, you know, that bike to get a podium first time out for Josh Herring, that will give that team a massive boost going for the rest of the season. Uh, Herring will be quick. They've also drafted in Jake Lewis, um, who, uh, of course, rode a Suzuki last year. Not sure he's doing the whole season. He's going to do the next round at Road America. We'll have to wait and see uh, after that. Uh, Outside of of those riders, then you've got Matthew Schultz on the Westby Racing team. Very unlucky in race two today. I think he would have been in podium contention. He got taken out by Bobby Fong, but a very strong second place yesterday. He knows how to score podiums. Uh, so he's going to be quick all year, the South African, former world Super Sport rider, of course, as well. And then if we start looking down the list, there's quite a few other riders as well. David Anthony, the Australian, he's lived in the States for a while. He actually rides for a team called the Fly Racing Team, uh, three rider team with him, uh, Sam Federico, and the British rider, uh, Bradley Ward, uh, who is, uh, I believe, uh, I'm writing saying is the nephew of the late Steve Ward, who was a very, very accomplished uh, Isle of Man TT racer, uh, he used to ride an RC30 red and black machine, but uh, so he's he's one of the two British riders that's in the race. But very interestingly, Greg, I'm not sure if you know this uh, in any other championship, but the Fly uh, Racing team runs three superbikes: one Kawasaki, one Yamaha, and one Suzuki, really? all in the same colours, but three different manufacturers. That's amazing. That's almost unheard of, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, this is obviously going out on Eurosport, so we should give a massive shout-out to Max Flinders, who is another British guy who rides for a team called Thrashed Bike Racing. I mean, what a brilliant name for a team. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only thing
0: you do not want to do is thrash your bike, surely. Absolutely.
1: But it's a, it's a canary yellow bike, so it always makes me think of, um, of Ed Rendell on the, uh, yeah. the racing uh, 125 and moto That's what bike. I call
0: a commentator's dream, a canary yellow bike. Canary yellow.
1: Fantastic um uh, he has a new bike for this year uh he got a top 10 today he finished ninth today um in in race two he's not on the new or the full spec new bike that he was hoping to have ready for the season again lack of testing and things not coming through in time um, so he will be very very happy so again and there's a lot of people that have never watched Moto America before, never seen it before. You know, yes, it's a different championship. It looks very different. The tracks are very different. The whole style of racing there is very, very different. But it's a great championship. And there are British riders out there um, for people to get involved with. Um, uh, someone else to mention, I should probably mention Ashton Yates. He's riding the only Honda uh, on the grid. Um, and he is the son of Aaron Yates, uh, former uh, front runner in the AMA championship and former teammate to Jeff May when EBR raced in World Superbike he is the son of Aaron uh, Yates Ashton and he's actually scored podiums uh in in a few championships in uh, in super Sport, in superstock 1000 and the junior cup and he scored 14th place today on the 2019 Honda because yet again the 2020 sorry the 2018 spec bike the 20 uh, uh no what, what year are we in greg i'm it's the, the time
0: it feels like we're still in 19 doesn't it but we're in we're halfway through 20 unbelievably yeah yeah sorry the,
1: i was gonna say the jet lag's kicking in it feels like jet lag i've yeah. been up so long all day yeah but yeah, no, yeah he's on the 2019 honda because the 2020 bike uh, hasn't come through yet so i think for for, for him to score his first superbike championship points on the honda uh in 14th uh, place today is great um, six manufacturers, Greg, in the championship. All six manufacturers scored points um, across that's the weekend. Good. That is good. Which is good. really good, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's really good. You need that diversity, don't you, in any series? There's no good having utter domination. Is no good for any series or any sport,
1: is it really? No, I think it's great. And uh, I think you know, if you look across all five classes, there were actually five different manufacturers uh, to um, uh, to win races. So uh, absolutely superb. And then obviously, as you said, there's five classes. So yeah. um, you've got the Superbike class, you've got the Superstock class, uh, which was the only event or the only class this weekend that didn't have a double double header. Um, so at every race in Motor America, the Superbikes, the Supersports and the Junior Cups, they always get two races. Uh, the Twins Cup and the Superstocks, they alternate. So in one race, the Superstocks will get two and, the, uh, uh, and uh, the Junior Cups one, and vice versa. But interestingly today uh, and yesterday, um, in terms of all the races that had double races, we saw outright circuit records with the exception of the Super Sport class. Um, and the Super Sport lap records, funnily enough, goes back to a certain Garrett Gerloff in 2017. So uh, they haven't gone any quicker. But in all of those classes, with the exception of Superstock, we saw double wins. And I've been racking my brains and very quickly before we started to work this out. I think that's the first time in certainly three years that we've had double wins in those classes in the first round of the championship. But that's not the true story of the championship because we saw five photo finishes. We saw 10 riders separated by half a second in the last junior cup race before I came to record this. So it it looks on paper. Oh, it's it's the same result. Not at all. We saw some brilliant racing this weekend.
0: Yeah. That just goes to show looking at the results alone does not tell half the story, does it quickly before we go, Michael, let's talk about there's two riders in particular. I'd like to discuss in this particular show about um, who are competing in supersport. One of them is Brandon Pash, who's a name we know very well, of course, from the British Superbike Paddock. We'll come to Brandon in a minute. But first of all, let's have a quick chat about Sean Dylan Kelly. Now, he's a guy you know well. I'm yet to meet STK. He's 18, isn't he? He's from Florida. And he is just the kind of guy who I can see Dorna really wanting in the MotoGP Paddock in the next few years. He's an American. He speaks fluent English, obviously, fluent Spanish. He's a good-looking guy. He's very marketable. He's still only 18. He did a wild card, didn't he, in Valencia in uh, Motor 2 at the end of last year. That's the kind of guy you feel is going places. I remember when Ben Spees joined us in the Eurosport commentary box in Portimao last September. He was one of the guys, Sean dillon Kelly, that Ben Spees said, watch out for him. He's going places.
1: No, you know what? I've got to say, firstly, i um, glad that he's okay because he went down big yeah. uh, in the first race yesterday. Yeah. Really big, big hit. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And when I was watching that, I was obviously uh, during the live broadcast with, with Live Plus backwards and forwards on WhatsApp uh, with, with Robbie Floyd and Roger Lee Hayden, who was uh, co-commenting, uh, this, co-commentating this weekend. And I said, man, that was, that was a big hit. Um, but he got up and he, he was fine. And, but, you know, to take your point, he did do a wild card last year at Valencia for the American racing team. And uh, the American racing team have enlisted this year the services of John Hopkins yes. as a rider coach, and we saw what a great job uh, and a great uh, team that has now become with uh, with Joe Roberts himself, a former podium man and front runner in, in, in Moto America uh, himself, uh, finished fourth, I think, didn't he in the Qatar? Yeah. And he got um, from pole position as well, wasn't he? From it? pole position, yeah, first American for years uh, yeah. to, to be pole. Um, so I know that uh, that SDK, as he is known, is uh, is very much under that wing. Um, he's a great guy. He really, really is a great. As you said, very marketable, very personable. You know, really good with uh, with the fans. He's liked by everybody in the paddock. The team absolutely love him. Um, naturally talented. Um, he will be one to watch this season. And you know, as John Hopkins has said, you know, the, the plan and the aim is to try and, and bring people through. And this is something that Wayne Rainey and Chuck Axeland, who are some sort of the masterminds and the people behind Moto America. Um, You know, from 2015, the the AMA Superbike Championship was taken over by uh, the new name or became Moto America. Um, And and the whole purpose of this championship now, uh, you know, as it always has been, but it's it's trying to revive and bring young American riders through. So this American racing team, they're also helping Rocco Landers. He's a 15-year-old kid. He was a sensation last year in the Junior Cup. Um, He's now obviously stepped up into twins as well. So there's quite a few riders, not just SDK, that, that the American racing team have got their eyes on. Brandon Pash would probably be one as well. And, you know, he had a great weekend as well. Um, He did a debut uh, in Supersport last year uh, at Road America, the first event that I was uh, working uh, in that championship. And he he got a couple of top sixes. He's on the bike on the team that PJ Jacobson rode with last year. He only met his crew chief on Thursday night. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Went and gets it on the podium twice.
0: Wow, that's amazing! Wow, well, he's definitely going blazes. Maybe he's a favourite for the title this year. Then, Brandon Pash, he's also with the Celtic Racing Team, isn't he? Michael Barry Gilson and's team, who, of course, way back in the day ran Chaz Davis in AMA Superbike and AMA Super Sport, actually, as it was. But Brandon, a pretty good weekend for him as well.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, sorry, I think um, maybe I wasn't clear. So, Brandon is actually riding for, for Celtics. SDK is riding for the M4X star team. He's riding yeah. the Suzuki team. Uh, but, Brandon oh, Brandon had a great weekend. He got two second places. He sits second in the championship behind Richie Escalante, who I do have to just point out first Kawasaki win in supersport since Leandro Mercado, I believe. Uh, that could be wrong, but I do believe. And um, certainly since Moto America, or since AMA became Moto America, no but no Kawasaki has won in SuperSport for the last five years. Uh, Sean De, uh, Richie Escalante got the double. Um, and he was made to work hard by Brandon Pasch today. Uh, Brandon, of course, he's the reigning MotorStar champion, isn't he? I think in BSB. Yeah, he is, Right. Yeah. Um, great kid, great talent. And... I don't know if it's sort of out there for, for, for the British fans, but I do believe that Brandon will not be coming back to the UK. I understand that he has signed now with that team, and he'll remain in America with that team for the whole season.
0: Is that off the back of the whole COVID chaos? I suppose. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he did say that on uh, on one of the interviews that was was broadcast on on Live Plus. I'm not sure exactly what was shown on on Eurosport uh, obviously we I was watching both, but you know focusing on the Live Plus broadcast, but. Um, yeah, Brandon did say the plan is for him to, um, to to stay and contest that whole championship. Now, whether that means he won't be back in Britain this year, but he did say it was because of everything that's going on. The Moto America Championship is running. That gives him a chance to be on a bike. Um, and you can't blame him for that, can you? I mean, no, I know he had no. big aspirations to, to be back in BSB, and I'm sure he will in the future. But, you know, if, if, if you're that young and you've got a chance to, to race competitively and, and still get your name out there, you're going to take it.
0: Oh, yeah. And another very, very naturally talented guy, isn't he? And again, SDK, Sean Dylan Kelly's 18, Brandon Pash, I'm just checking. He's still only 19. It feels like these guys have been around for years, doesn't it? But he's still only 19, is Brandon Pash. So let's watch out for Brandon, who, of course, is from Freehold, New Jersey, over the next few years as well. Michael, the Motor America calendar, you've hinted already that they'll be back at Road America in a month from now, but with fans. Laguna Seca, hopefully, at the end of the year. But there's a new venue on the calendar as well this year, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I mean, just two things. Definitely about the calendar. Um, we are going to be going to to Pit Race uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, we're going to be going to Road Atlanta. We'll be going to Alabama, uh, Barber Motorsports Park. But the one that everyone's talking about, and I cannot wait, uh, the Ridge Motorsport Park in Washington. Mm. Uh, obviously, I've only ever seen uh, little clips on, on YouTube. Looks very, very undulating. Big wide spaces. Nobody's ever been there before. This is a circuit that wants Moto america um you know there was a few interviews that were played again on, on live plus they are really really um digging the fact that you know the first big motorcycle event that's going to be there is for Moto america and also not just that Greg. we are going back to the brickyard indianapolis will host Moto america for the first time uh, in a few years uh, and that is going to be exciting as well um but i think it's you know there's, there's so much to look forward to if you are if you've only experienced Moto america this year for the first time Uh, As I said, I'd followed it before getting involved, being involved last year. There's so many other things going on, so many fan interactions, fan activities at every single event. But another new initiative that I do just very quickly, Greg, want to mention, if you don't mind, um, is the Ovale Cup. So um, this is a new initiative. It will run over three rounds. The first round will be at Road America uh, at the end of June when we go back. uh, there. And these are on these little Avale machines, which are great bikes. I actually rode one uh, the day after the Qatar Grand Prix uh in Qatar great little bikes um and this is a three round championship um there's, I think there's two two models uh of bike uh, and there'll be some real young kids six seven eight years of, of age uh, racing these on the go-kart circuits at a couple of the tracks oh that's interesting so the Road America go-karting circuit will host round one, pit race will host a round later in the year, and they're going to broadcast this as well. They're going to film it, they're going to, um, you know, I'll be involved with commentary, there'll be podium celebrations. So this is, you know, as you mentioned there in terms of, you know, stars of the future and, you know, Dorner and people like that looking to bring these young Americans through. The initiative that, you know, Motor America is trying to do is to bring people through. And we see it already with riders coming through the Junior Cup, they're going into the Twins Cup, then they're moving into Supersport. Now we're going even younger. And we're going to get real, real young kids on little ovalies. And I watched a a demo race that they did uh, last year in pit race. I tell you what, some of these kids, Greg, there's some real talent in the States.
0: That's great, actually, Michael. I didn't know about that. That's a really interesting idea. So they're going to be doing it on the karting circuits of the respective circuits they go to all around the States, of course, all over the country. I guess that's brilliant as well, because it will allow the fans to really get up close and personal and meet those guys, won't it? And then in years from now, when they become famous and there might be a MotoGP world champion, they'll have a picture with them when they were, what, 10, 11 or 12, however old they are, in this new championship.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think there's going to be kids even as young as eight. Um, really? Wow. Super, yeah, yeah, I think there's just, I mean, again, I haven't really looked into it because the first round isn't until the end of June, so I didn't do a lot of prep for it. But um, it's a, it's a three round championship. First round is at Road America, and, and the avar- That's great. there's two different types. Yeah. That uh, one's a little bit faster. But I'm, I'm sure that there's uh, one where you've got really, really young kids, may, maybe even seven or eight uh, on wow. these bikes. Um, and they're going to do it properly, you know, proper qualifying practice sessions um and i know last year jd beach was involved at pit race uh, in, in pittsburgh international uh, and on the night what they did is they um, they put the floodlights on they put the loudspeakers on i did the commentary we did a podium celebration and, and the races were maybe 10 laps around the go-kart track but all the moto america paddock came across so you had the likes of you know garrett Gerloff, cameron Bobier, matthew schultz cam peterson all just leaning over the wall watching these little kids it was brilliant great initiative
0: Sure. so by the time they get to Valentino Rossi's age, those kids, they will already have well over 30 years of motorcycle racing experience. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, but that's something we've talked about, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we've travelled around the world together when we've worked together previously, and we've said in the past, haven't we? You know, look at the like, look at Spain, look at Italy. They yeah. start so young, yes. yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, you it's know part I
0: mean? of the culture, isn't it, with the way the yeah. weather is in Spain and Italy. You know, we go up and down the coast in Italy, don't we? Rimini, all along there. There's little motorbike and karting and... Uh, mini moto circuits all over the place aren't they
1: yeah exactly you know and obviously we've got little initiatives now in the uk and you know, peter hickman's involved with avale and i just read somewhere that uh, michael laverty michael now laverty, is involved yeah.
0: with the mini yeah. bike
1: championship you know so the fact that we've now got this in the states um it, it's what's it's what's needed and i think it's, it's it's really great And i think the fact that you know motor america are going to bring it in uh to their mainstream kind of championship that also allows these young kids to you know, riders that they may be looking up to and watching racing, whether it's the likes of Cambobier or Josh Heron. Um, you know, I mean, Josh Heron, uh, he posted a video on his Instagram. of I mean, him high siding one of these Avales um, <laughs> on, on his Herin compound. And um, I don't know if you, if, if you follow Josh Heron on Instagram, go and find it. The video is on there somewhere. Um, but these, these bikes are proper trick. Um, you know, they, they, they're set up and they've got full suspension and, and everything like that. They're a really, really good, good bike. And um, I think the fact, as, as you said, you know, the fact that the fans are going to be able to get involved, you know, there's so many fan things that do happen in Moto America. And, and because it's not massively being broadcast worldwide in the past, I think a lot of people aren't aware of that, you know. Um, yeah. When I was turning up last year for the first race outside of a World Superbike event, obviously Moto America and World Superbike at Laguna always coincided. But when I turned up at Road America, um, you know, there's all crazy things like wars of death and You know, all these massive different hot dog stands and, you know, merchandise stands and all kinds of different things that's going on and meet and and greets and all that kind of stuff and giveaways. And Wayne Rainey has got this massive T-shirt firing gun, um, which will take your blooming eyes out if he gets it wrong. But he fires his fires all these T-shirts out of his gun and goes up and down the pit. It's fantastic. It's a really, really good atmosphere. And one of the big things that I noticed in Motor America, which is very, very similar to BSB, it's it's family friendly. Um, so many families at yes. Pit Race and Road America and um, Sonoma where I was last year in California they were turning up and they were pitching up the RVs you know, like you see it when we were at World Superbike together you see all the RVs parked up on the uh, is it down through Rainy Curve and into the Gawes, You see all yeah. the, the motorhomes just adorning the side of the track and it's got that real family friendly atmosphere yeah. and you know, I don't care whether it's a volley racing whether it's Superbike racing whether it's a club race for, for trikes you know if it's got an engine and there's a motor in it fantastic but the fact that you've got such diverse championships you know i don't think there's another twins cup championship anywhere in the world you've got the Junior cups you've got the vales you've got the super bikes if you want the the high-tech bikes but you've got the fan interaction and this real family feel um it's fantastic um you know and it races 10 rounds around the world it's great to be a part of it's very very different to what i do in world Superbike, which is obviously on a stage and this is you know you know, kind of like what, you, what you're what you are doing, grid walks and being on the other side of the camera. Um, but every every fan that I've spoken to in the five or six rounds that I've done so far have been with them. They absolutely love it, you know. And it's just so great. It Reminds me of being a kid when I was a kid with my dad, and we'd go to Donington Park and we'd sit on the grass bank and we'd be eating an ice cream. And I'd have my program out and I'd be doing the little lap charts to see who's in the lead. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's just got that real, really yeah. nice atmosphere about it, and. Um, you know, it's going from strength to strength. And, and I'm I'm just really pleased that Eurosport played it this weekend. You know, I would have much rather have been in the States and been there doing my job, the normal job, rather than sitting in my living room and, and doing it. But, you know, I'm just so, so happy that they've got such a good response. And people, people just want to see racing, right? We're all sick of this pandemic. I mean, it is an absolute nightmare. It's terrible what's happened. Of course it is. Um, but you know, I think everybody deep down wants to get back to some semblance of, of normal life, whatever normal life is going to be. You know, I don't think life will be quite the same as it was beforehand. I don't think the paddocks will be quite the same as they were beforehand. But you know, hopefully now we can see a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, and we're you know we're coming out of it, and and we've got racing again, and that's the main thing.
0: Just a quick reminder to those of you listening, perhaps uh, also for the first time, don't forget we have Australian. Superbike Championship highlights on Eurosport. As Michael's just said, Moto America all live now on Eurosport and on the Eurosport player, as well as, of course, the Bennett's British Superbike Championship and the World Superbike Championship. You're obviously well involved in World Superbikes as well. You're well involved in Moto America. We did not have a scheduled American round of the World Superbike Championship this year. Laguna Seca has fallen off the calendar. Whether we get a World Superbike season remains to be seen. Touch wood, we will. However, what do you feel genuinely, talking to people in America and people in Moto America and you know, about the place generally, what do you feel the chances are of World Superbikes getting back to America in, let's say, 2021? Because I'm feeling quite optimistic.
1: Oh, God, well, you are putting me on the spot, aren't you? No, obviously, <laughs> I'm not... I'm, anything that I'm saying is not an official Dawner statement, so I just want to put that out there. I'm not speaking <laughs> on behalf of Dorna or, or anything like that. Um, what I what I can do is obviously answer that in, in the way that you you've asked it in terms of what yeah. what the people in America want? American fans are passionate about racing. Um, you've seen it when we've been at Laguna. You know they 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 love their motorsport. Um, they want a round of World Superbike. You know for various reasons that we're not fully aware of. We're not going back to Laguna. Obviously, I know there was a, a lot in the press about the ownership of the circuit or the ownership of the running at Laguna Seca was all yeah. was all changed. So that was something that was was completely out of, of, of people's controls. Um, and that's you know when we've talked about that you know previously as well. You know, I don't like getting involved with all these keyboard warriors on Twitter that think they know everything. You know, there's there's always a reason. <laughs> do you, but do you know what I mean? There's always a reason isn't there why something doesn't happen. And you know it's it's very, very easy for people to read between the lines. But if you actually look factually what happened that you know Scramp uh, which was running WeatherTech Raceway uh, lost that contract and it went to a new a new partner and and it, it just so happened that it happened in the middle of a negotiation for a contract. I mean, it's you know that's one of those things. Um, looking ahead, you know, will we go back to Laguna? I honestly don't know. I would love to go back to Laguna for for World Superbike. Of course, I would because it's it's a great track. Um, obviously, World Superbikes may not be at Laguna, but Moto America will be in October, as I've said. Um so if you are in the States and and you want to go, or if you've never been and you want to put where the tech race were on your on your uh, on your bucket list, you can still fly out from Moto America in October. But um if it doesn't go to, to to Laguna and we do go back, obviously there are circuits that have historically raced uh world superbikes, haven't they, uh, in the past. And there's mm. other circuits that would be certainly up to homologation, whether it's KOTA or Indianapolis or uh, Utah or Miller Motorsport as it was known, it's now called Utah Motorsport Complex. So they've all held uh, world superbikes in the past. Um but there's other tracks as well, right? I mean we've got the Ridge Motorsport Park. I don't know what uh, what that's like, what facilities are there. You've got Barber Motorsports Park, which is in Birmingham, Alabama, um, which by all accounts is a fantastic venue. Um they've got a corner there called Charlotte's Web. And right Have on they? the inside Yeah, and right on the inside of the corner there's this great big statue of uh, of a giant spider.
0: Oh wow, oh that would be great. Yeah. I'd like to see Jonathan Ray and Co going around that one then.
1: Yeah, and there's and then, you know and certainly the Barber Motorsports Park, there's a massive museum there and things like that. So, you know, honest answer, Greg is I honestly don't know. Um, you know, right now we don't even know you know how many races we're going to have if we're going to have any races at all in any championship. So I, I'm like you, you know, I want to go racing again. I want to be able to get back and do my job. I want to, you know, be back meeting the fans and and watching some great great racing, especially after such a great start in Australia. You know, it's the, you know, it, it, it seems. I think it seems like last year. It just seems forever yeah, ago. It's weird, we were in isn't Australia it? and having such a great start to the season. Um, You know, so I hope for everybody involved that we, we do go racing again in the World Championship. Uh, I hope also for for the BSP fans. You know, I love BSP as well. It's a great championship. So, you know, I think the fact, as, as I said at the beginning, you know, massive massive hats off to to Moto America for getting racing up and running again. It's been proven that you know if you put the measures in place and. Your, your staff, your personnel, your riders, your teams, if they all respect to the letter of the law what they can and they can't do, you can run an event because, you know, I do know that the, the, there were various health and safety people there throughout the weekend. Um, and at any point, if something went wrong, they could have closed the event down within a heartbeat. So um, I know that there was a team of people there checking that. So as I said, most Motor America have proven that it can be done. Um, it is very different, of course, because if we go racing with no fans, that will have a very different feel to it, won't it? Naturally, um, but yeah, I'm sure I speak for everybody that's listening. We want to go racing. We want to see racing. And me, uh, uh, from my point of view, would I like to see World Superbike back in um, in America? Yeah, absolutely. Um, whether that's at Laguna or not, I don't know um but i'd like to see some of the old the older tracks or some some countries that we haven't been to you know there's some great tracks around the world let's go back to hungary or let's go to the slovakia ring i don't know spice it up
0: yeah japan would be a good one as well i was also thinking if you don't get your paddock shows this year if everything is behind closed doors and perhaps we don't get any commentary at all maybe you and i could have a chat with someone like Stuart higgs and go and set up a vending stand at bsb and we could don our hairnets and sell hot dogs and burgers and various beverages and things like that with a sort of commentary twist as, you know, as we hand out the food. That could be a good idea.
1: As, as long as there's going to be steak and chips uh, for sale, I'm in. <laughs> you never know. We'll have to get on the phone to Stuart to see what he thinks. He'd probably go with it. Yeah, that's strange. Hey, you know what? You, you, My little brain's going, uh, I won't go to sleep now, mate. That's the problem. And he's gone know? for the hot dogs and he's, now he's gone for the burger. He's dropped the fries. He's lost it. He's lost it in exactly. between the salt and the vinegar. What is going on? <laughs> there is ketchup all over
0: the counter anyway on that bombshell I guess it's probably time you can tell it's late can't you it's just past midnight for me and just past 11 for you but yeah have you actually done any
1: work today jokes. That's the question I
0: <laughs> have I done any work today yeah. yeah I have actually I've been planning for this podcast and been writing some stuff for motorcycle news so uh, a quick plug for that actually watch out for the newspaper going so you wrote out on down Wednesday about
1: five questions. so you wrote down about five questions and thought right Michael will talk for 45 minutes that's my job done <laughs> Tell you what, you're a part time you, aren't? You? So you call yourself a professional? Like, Michael, there's some
0: there's some quality reports going out in this week's MCM. There's an interview. There's two features with Stuart Higgs. Actually, there's um, uh, what else? There's stuff about Moto America. Uh, there's some stuff about uh, actually. There's some interesting quotes from Jim Roder at Kawasaki in terms of Alex Lowe's having already resigned and how Jonathan Ray Sorry, yet to resign. Now that is- that is great. I, I, you have to think Alex Lowe's Philip Island really did just spur them into taking up the option on that one plus one contract there.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? The funniest thing about that is I was talking to Alex um, when we got back, uh, because Alex was on the same flight as me to Qatar, because he was obviously going to watch Sam. That's bad luck Uh, for Alex. Yeah. I said to him while we were, um, uh, while we were waiting for (laughs) our baggage. And I actually, I said to him, I said, mate, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, but I was doing the commentary with, with Troy Bayless in the paddock show. And and I asked Troy just outright, you know, before the race started, who's going to win this race. And Troy Bayless um, turned around and said, "Alex Lowe's," and I said, "Just," and I didn't mean it to come out the way that it came out. But I was like, "Are you having a laugh? Have you been watching testing? Do you know what I mean?" Because
0: I I, I he <laughs> had a I couple was, of
1: crashes, didn't he, Alex? And he didn't yeah, really yeah. seem like he was yeah. on the pace. Uh, Alex knows me well enough to know that I didn't mean it like that, you know. But it was just—it was so so funny that you know, as as a former world champion and Troy Bayless is looking at that going, yeah, for me, he's, he's on rails, he's on rails, you know, yeah. especially after obviously in that race when when Toprak's bike uh, stopped or ran out of fuel or whatever uh, it was that would happen, yeah. but yeah. what a cracking start to the year for, for Alex, and I'm so happy for him because, you know, he's he's worked so, so hard, and, and he goes under the, gone under the radar a little bit, you know, and, you know, he did have a few crashes, and I think it's really unfair as well because people used to tar him with the bridge, oh, you're crashing all the time, you know, a lot of the crashes that Alex had used to happen in testing, not necessarily yeah races well you know? I think
0: even Alex would admit though to be fair that in the races he was crashing all the time at one point wasn't he in the early days with the Suzuki um but you're right a lot of them were in testing and not actually in the races
1: yeah you know and, I, and that's you know that's what, what's the, the the quote that it might have been James Whittemore or Shanky or someone said um previously in a, in a commentary it might have even been you Greg oh dear oh dear <laughs> you can stop a fast rider from crashing yes. right you can't yeah. make a slow rider go fast
0: yeah exactly
1: you know what I mean so I think you know and let's not forget, Alex has you know, still got many, many years to go, right? You know, so the, the confidence that he's got coming from Australia, you know, what what's what's a big shame for me on the, the coronavirus thing is how good would it have been to, to have that race two weeks later in Qatar? Yeah, what well, would, well, you and I did that
0: video, didn't we, on YouTube yeah. in um, in Jerez for pre-season testing. And that's one of the things we were most excited about, wasn't it? This year, the fact the calendar was so different: Qatar right. after Australia, then Jerez earlier in the year it would have been cooler. We didn't know what was going to happen. Aragon happening around this. Well, in fact, we would have just had Aragon, wouldn't we? I think last weekend. Um, yeah. And in the end, of course, the whole thing has <laughs> gone to pot, really, hasn't it? So far, yeah. No, I
1: mean, I think it's it is just it's it's crap, isn't it? It really is crap. It's <laughs> it everything yeah. that we've. We're gearing up for, and obviously we we did the test at the beginning of the year, and, and there was so much excitement. Um, it, it was just so surreal getting off the plane from Qatar and coming back, and the whole world stopped. But yeah. you know what? It's you know anyone listening now, you know, I, I do. I'm not massively into. Well, I am into politics, but I don't like airing my political views. But you know what I would say is, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone that's that's listening, and this is the only probably most political you're ever going to hear me is no no but i think i think it's important that we say it right because a lot of people are going to listen to this to to listen about moto america and racing we all want to go racing you know everybody's talking now we can go back to football and horse racing is going to start again and things you know like where i live in central london there's a park right opposite where i live and there's people having barbecues and and in the duck pond and all kinds of stuff and it's like, you know we're not out of the woods yet
0: no no you're right i mean i think some people have been taking ridiculous liberties haven't they
1: yeah, I mean, my big concern is that, you know, we've, we've now seen that it is possible to run behind closed doors. I stress again, I don't want to be behind closed doors. I want to go back racing. I want to do my job as you do. And the yeah. riders want to go and race bikes and the fans want to be there meeting their heroes and watching the racing. It's only, and I can only say this really from a from a British perspective. I know you're in Spain. And it might be a little bit different, but there are some idiots in this country, right? <laughs> there right, are some yeah. absolute <laughs> lunatics in this country that, you know... <laughs> Whether you agree that the lockdown should be lifted or it shouldn't be lifted, (laughs) the worst thing that can happen for us as motorsport, motorcycling fans right now, especially for racing in the UK, you know, the amount of people that message me every week, is World Superbike going to still happen in in the UK? Is BSB going to still happen? I'm sure you get asked that all the time. You know, the answer very simply, if these idiots continue being (laughs) idiots, is no, it's not going to happen. So all I would say is, and this is the only political thing I'm ever probably going to say. You are right ever is you know just let's let's not get too carried away with this yeah, stop you know, if, messing if the around first couple of races have to happen behind closed doors i'd rather be behind closed doors and still working in some remote way or a different kind of way than it all having another spike and we don't go racing at all in 2021
0: yeah i, I do completely agree i was laughing there at the way you said that because it was funny michael <laughs> To be honest but <laughs> you are right um you are right because if there if there is another spike that's it, isn't it? 2020 will be a complete write-off, and there's some fears it will be anyway. But if there's another spike, we can forget it, can't we?
1: Yeah, and nobody wants that, you know? I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously easier in some respects to arrange a, a national championship, as it's yeah. America yeah. has. And I'm sure, obviously, Stuart uh, Higgs and, and the guys have got some plans of what they want to do in BSB. But yeah. when we start looking at a world championship, you've got to think of the 17, 18, 19 countries, the logistics of getting everybody there. You know, so if people do just go crazy and we start having spikes and these restrictions don't get lifted, um, then we're not going to be able to run a championship, are we? It's not going to happen.
0: Well, interestingly, Dominic Raab, I was watching Sky News this morning, um, Sunday morning. So uh, yesterday, if you're listening as this podcast goes out on Monday, Dominic Raab was saying, you know, we can't just stay in a lockdown forever. So it does feel like we're getting to the point now where they're thinking the government can't keep paying, bailing out all these companies because eventually either the government's going to run out of money or if they stop paying these companies, people are going to start going bankrupt. It's going to cause even more of a mess. Funnily enough today, Michael, slightly off topic, I was having a chat with one of my next door neighbors over the fence. Um, as you do. As you do. And it really is over a keeping distance at the moment, which we were obviously doing. But he worked for a big cruise company and they also have flights. And he said they've just had to get rid of, and, and I quote, 8,000 people. If you think of all the That's people that good. work on the airlines and on the cruise ships and in hotels all around the world. Apparently there's people who are now being employed or already working for hotels, having to go around hundreds and hundreds of empty hotel rooms, testing all the taps just to make sure everything's still working because there's going to be a load more problems when we do get back to in inverted commas, normal. Um, so the least we can do is limit the damage while we are in these circumstances, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I mean, you, you touched on it earlier on. It must've been so surreal and weird for everybody involved in, in road America this weekend, because everything was different foreheads and temperatures being taken every time you go through different sectors of the paddock you know not able to have hospitalities no on-site catering it's you know Mm, and you know we we want to go racing but it's got to be done correctly it's got to be done safely otherwise we run the risk of then not having anything in 2021 and that's just that's a nightmare right nobody wants that
0: yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Of course, there's plenty of talk around at the moment of World Superbike having another six rounds or so. The general belief is we'll have rounds in Spain, the three Spanish venues. Uh, Portimao should be in there. Misano, perhaps. Maybe Donington towards the end of the year. Uh, I have my doubts over Assen. I must be honest, but we'll see. MotoGP, of course, there's still this plan being floated for Jerez uh, in late July, moving into August. Uh, Formula One's all up in the air, isn't it? They're talking about Austria, maybe Hungary. Don't know what's going to happen with Silverstone. Uh, And BSB, it seems like we are going to get a BSB calendar going out uh, either. I'd say probably not this week. I think maybe next week or the one after we'll have to see. But yeah, which is good, isn't it? And as we've already said, you have to feel BSB with MSVR running or owning many of those circuits do have a better chance than most of the international world championships because the majority of people are already in the country and all the races are in the country. But it's just been a nightmare, hasn't it, Michael, for everyone? And so many people in our industry, ourselves included, are freelance as well. And it's just been a decimation of of everything, people's bank accounts especially. But it is a mess, isn't it? It's a real mess. And we need to get back on track as soon as possible um, because things are falling apart.
1: Well, we do, because I was meant to go for a for a, a top teeth polish, and that's out of the window now for 2021, <laughs> so uh, oh, that's
0: stupid, that. With the amount that cost, it's going to take until 2024 before you can go and have that again.
1: Yeah, Just just one question. I've got to ask you, I know we're talking, it's going on and on and on, but it's, it always happens when we start chewing the fat, doesn't it? We always just start veering off on, on different tangents and talking. But I find it quite interesting. And, mm. and obviously you're closer to, to the BSB championship now than, than, than I maybe am. Mm. Um, there's a lot more categories, of course. It's, it's obviously you know five categories in Moto America, but they're running at a circuit this weekend that was, you know, I don't know how many square um, acres it is, but it, it's massive. Yeah. Um, but you know, loads of space for them to space everybody out. Um, obviously, World Superbike has, has three classes. Um, same with, with MotoGP. So you would like to think, you know, they can probably stagger and move things around in the circuits we go to. There are some circuits in the BSB championship that we go to that are, you know, let's see Cadwell for example. Yes, it's an MSVR circuit, but if social distancing has to still be applied, you know, will that affect the number of races and c- categories? I, I mean, I'd like to think not. I hope not. But, I don't you
0: know, know. I don't know. And I'm not going to speculate too much because I certainly know something Stuart Higgs wants to be very careful about is the sort of information we are putting out there because obviously 100%. we don't want to mislead yeah, yeah. anyone. You don't want any cost to be incurred for people thinking, oh, there might be a race weekend coming up and teams start preparing, start spending, and then there's not. But I agree with you. You have to think, I, I, all the indications that have been suggested to me from various people is that Cadwell Park probably, unfortunately, will not be on the calendar this year. And I think the same goes for places like Philip Island. We've just heard that the Australian motor GP has been yeah, called off.
1: Island, but, but, yeah. but
0: that's another problem as well, Michael, the Australian border. I was chatting with Tom Tapares the other day. The Australian border is still closed. Nobody can get in or out. And there's very, very limited movement within the country as well. I think Victoria is pretty much the only state you can go in and out of, but they're recommending you don't. But for example, let's say Josh Brooks, for example, wouldn't actually be able to get out of Australia at the moment to come back to Europe to do his racing. So, once again, it well, just the proves same that. In the States, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's it's just. The same in the well, that's the biggest um, obstacle, I mean, isn't it? The travel restrictions are going to be the biggest. They are now, we've got proof, they are
1: the biggest problem. Yeah. And I think Stuart, to be fair, I was speaking to Stuart myself on, on WhatsApp a couple of weeks ago because he's obviously involved in Moto America as well. And, and we were talking, I was talking to him about him, which way you're going to go in, how are you going to get there? And we both concluded, actually, you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're going in um, as a tourist, as a fan, or whether you're going in like, like us as, as, a, as a worker. Uh, with a two, with a with a working visa, um, the the clear rule from the uh, American border security is we don't care whether you're a tourist, whether you are a working visa, whether you're a resident, unless you have a valid reason for coming in, you ain't coming in. Mm-hmm. And when I actually spoke to the embassy, that's one of the reasons I had to do it remotely and work work in London is the fact that you can only enter. Well, if you're on an Esther, you can't enter full stop. So that's that's a given. Um, if you've got a working visa, like like I've got a visa to to obviously work and to present, um, that means nothing under these pandemic regulations. <laughs> if you're a, a sportsman or you're a singer or you're an athlete, that means nothing. You can't get into the country. Even uh, celebrity Michael Bryan Hill. Yeah, even even with a flash of the nashes to uh, <laughs> to the to the, uh, to the beautiful people uh, at immigration, the answer would have been no. Um, <laughs> and and I even I even spoke to uh, to the airline that I was flying with, with British Airways, and they said um what are you traveling on and then uh, give them the details of the visa oh yeah we'd let you on the plane and i'm like oh great i can go happy happy days and then the woman on the phone said uh, until you arrive at which point they'll turn you around and put you on the next plane straight back mm. and i'm like it doesn't make any sense and she's like yeah well we can't stop you getting on the plane because you're not traveling as a tourist but when you get to the other end they won't let you in because there's a very clear rule that says uh, unless you're married unless you've got kids unless you're in the military unless you've got a fiance or a child in that country you ain't getting in
0: well, come on, Mark, you've got a load of options there. Go and have a child or get married. So or, what, you, join, <laughs> join the army. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but no jokes, jokes aside, it's a right mess, isn't it? It is a right mess. And I think a lot of people, ourselves included, it's been pretty depressing times, hasn't it? Um, let's just hope. Let's just hope people learn something from this and that life may be a little bit better moving forward.
1: Yeah. And let's leave it on a really positive note. And the fact is that Moto America pulled off the first ever race behind closed doors and it was bloody fantastic. I've enjoyed every minute of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. It's great for Moto America. And obviously we've been making a few jokes here, but the truth is that's very, very promising now, because as we said at the top, everyone would have been watching that. And that's great hope now, isn't it? For everybody in not just motorcycle racing, not just motorsport, but sport in general.
1: Well, and life in general, right? That with the fact that we're coming out of it, that we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. So, um, you know, but as I said, don't be an idiot. Yeah. I, <laughs> the I'm words speaking of Michael to Hay- you now, I'm going to be watching very, very carefully. I want to... How, how, how big is the fence? Is it two metres between you and your neighbour? I'll be, I'll be checking that out, you know.
0: I'm, don't doubt you would, It's the, exactly the sort of thing you would do, isn't it? But uh, anyway, it's a bit rich coming from you telling me not to be an idiot. Well, there we go. On that bombshell, um, there's always plenty of love here, of course. on the Eurospor. Oh, always. Full Throttle podcast don't forget you can follow Michael not that you'd want to on Twitter at mhillofficial and honestly Michael thanks very much I'm glad you've had a good weekend and uh, who knows when I'll actually next see you in person but uh, maybe sometime before Christmas
1: well after that insult never mate I'm blocking you on Twitter
0: (laughs) wouldn't be the first person you blocked on Twitter today and on that bombshell Michael Hill thank you very much
1: (laughs) thank you Greg always a pleasure mate good talking to you
0: Well, I've literally just finished recording the podcast there with Michael and we've had some breaking news. So we're going to quickly go back on the line on Skype to Michael Hill. What's happened?
1: Well, I, you were taking the mick out of me saying I was a part-timer and not working. And we just finished recording and I switched my uh, phone back on and it flashes up. It like... was you who was taking the mick of me, if you don't mind. Well, yes, it's, it's all, all, all much of a muchness, isn't it? But uh, joking aside... Yeah. Uh, Yeah, my my mobile uh, lights up like Blackpool Illuminations with some breaking news. And that is, we were obviously talking about Brandon Pash. what a great weekend uh, he had had. And he did have a great weekend. uh, But the news uh, coming from Road America tonight is that Brandon Pash has been disqualified from race number two for having an underweight bike, uh, which means he loses uh, the 20 points uh, from today's race. And it also means that Jason Aguilar, uh, um, moves up into into a podium spot his first ever uh, podium but uh, Brandon Pash unfortunately uh, has been disqualified from race two
0: well thanks to Michael for that update great news for Jason bad news though for Brandon Brandon Pash who we know of course from uh, Motorstar as Michael said during the podcast the final ever Motorstar champion in the BSB paddock last year. Bike underweight, disqualified from that second race. Bad luck for Brandon, but a great weekend nonetheless. Thanks again to Michael for that update at the end and for the podcast in general. That's all then for now. Many thanks from Greg Haynes. Please, as I said, subscribe if you can to Full Throttle from Eurosport. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms as well. We'll be back in the very near future with more news from World Superbikes, British Superbikes and the other racing championships on two wheels around the world. Stay safe, stay calm, don't be an idiot, as Michael Hill said, and we'll speak to you very soon. Bye for now.